forgiveness, the gateway to freedom. I'm Jill Rowe, and in this episode of The Different Podcast, Steve Chalk and I chat about forgiveness and grudges. We talk openly and honestly about times in our own lives when forgiveness has been something we have made our way to, having realised that unforgiveness was toxic. We describe how forgiveness is in fact a gateway to freedom and come to see that Jesus was inviting us to discover our own healing when we forgive our enemies. We chat about how to live into the future rather than using the past as our reference point. This discussion was a great reminder of why forgiveness is such a profoundly powerful force for good and for transformation. May it bring goodness and hope to you. So this is episode, well, I, I have no idea. I'm being honest with you, Steve. This is the next episode. This is <laughs> the next episode of Different. It's really good to see you. How's your day been? It's been busy. It's been, you know, up and down. I don't know how your days go. You know, sometimes at the end of the day, something just great has happened just before the end of the day, yeah. and it's a good day. And sometimes something really, <laughs> really, you get a difficult email or a tough meeting. But today's a good day because it's ending with this. Well, and it's Friday. And it's Friday. And you've just told me that you're getting a haircut tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to get my haircut tomorrow. Do you know something? My hair's so long and I look in the mirror and I think, oh, no. But like the meetings and stuff, you know. And yeah. Yeah. So, But last weekend, I was so annoyed that I could hardly see as my hair falls in front of my eyes. I was in Liverpool and I phoned up. And I said... You to, made an appointment. I phoned up and made an appointment because I know the hairdresser. Her name's Falula, actually. That's such a great name. Falula. It's a great name for a, a great Mine's name called for a Ramla. My, my hairdresser's uh, called Ramla. And I phoned up Falula and I said, can I come and get my hair cut next Saturday? And she said, can't you come midweek? And I said, no, I can't. You know, I can't. And like that. And she said, well, I can't fit you in on Saturday. And I said, oh, my hair's just going to have to get longer. She said, why don't you come on Friday? I said, because I'm working. And in the end, she said, oh, I'll move somebody and I'll squeeze you Special in at treatment. 20 past 10. So well, I'm going to get my hair cut. So when I see you on Sunday, you'll be looking. Short hair. Yeah. Pretty good, eh? Less hippie. Less hippie. There you go. Anyway, anyway, what are we talking about, Jill? Today we're going to talk about the idea of forgiveness and grudges and unforgiveness is like yeah. a weapon. It really is yeah. a weapon. Yeah. It's a weapon. And and I think the, the terrible thing about unforgiveness is it's often a weapon that's turned on yourself, isn't it? Oh, completely. Self-destructive. Yeah, 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 often yeah. the other person doesn't know anything about it. Yeah, it's yeah, killing oh, you. Anyway, yeah. So is this something you struggle a bit with there, Jill, <laughs> as you chose this subject? Is this a bit of therapy? Uh, no, um, I mean, it can be. But I think, so as you know, my um, parents split up when I was 11. And so this, I forgiveness is an important feature of my journey, I think, mm. because I, I realised at a very young, and I was young, at a young age, what unforgiveness does mm. to you. So I, so my parents, my dad left, he'd been having an affair with someone and I was angry about that. You know, it, was, it wasn't right, it was unfair. I didn't understand, I was 11, you know, and all the rest of it. And I held resentment, I held anger. You know, I, I felt a particular way 
it was under the surface, but I felt a particular way towards towards my dad. And then you just get to a point where you go, this is like something toxic inside of you. And it shows itself in all sorts of different ways. It comes out in all sorts of different ways. Leaks out. It leaks out. And you, yeah, and and like you just said, you know, the unforgiveness probably damages you who's holding it far more than the hope that you feel you have, which is I hope the other person is suffering as a result of me not forgiving them, you know, which is a lot to work through when you're like 12 and 13 years old. But yeah, so for, so forgiveness for me, I realised, is like a gateway mm. to freedom. Mm. And yeah. unforgiveness is a trap. Yeah, I don't want to be over religious about it but you know jesus once said forgive your enemies yeah. and i've heard loads of times you know people are on the end forgive your enemies because it really pisses them off <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but, but the point of course isn't that at all no. it's it's you know and that's what jesus was talking about yeah. it's about bringing healing to yourself yeah. release to yourself your yeah. point yeah and I think for me, it created all sorts of insecurities as well. So, you know, seeking l affirmation from people that was rid a ridiculous expectation to have. It was, you know, like in all of those kind of things. And then I remember at university, it just all kind of came to a head. And um, I remember the chaplain, who's a lovely guy, who's called Graham, really fantastic university chaplain. And he just said, we're going to get two swear words in, in a very short part of the podcast. But he just said, he was brilliant. He just said, life's shit sometimes, isn't it? And it was, I was like, yeah, yeah. And he said, and sometimes you just have to let it go. Don't sing Frozen Tunes right now. <laughs> um, but it was a really smart thing to say. It was like, yes, it was an acknowledgement of there's this thing that's happened that, that, hasn't felt right and hasn't been right and has caused you hurt but holding on to that is not doing you any good whatsoever mm. so just let that go and live life mm. like live into the future not keep mm. using the past as your reference mm. point yeah so that's like a big that was a big learning for me as a as a teenager so yeah little little story of forgiveness steve <laughs> <laughs> yeah what about you well, yeah, I suppose we all tread the same pathway through life. I think as you're talking, the thing that springs to mind, I'm trying to think of, you know, the lessons I've learned or tried to learn around this for the years. Of course, what happened to me, something you know about mm. um, very well, is when I stood up inside a religious church context for gay people, gay and trans people, LGBT people. Well, you know, I got, yeah. it was horrendous. In fact, um, oh no, this was before the LGBT thing. I wrote a book. You wrote the, the other Lost, book. <laughs> Lost Message of Jesus when I said, God is love. So the, out, no, the, there's no the way that, out. Yeah, yeah, so got all this stuff about God's anger and God's wrath and he's going to get you and banish you to hell yeah. and all that. So, the yeah, vindictive I mean, God. Yeah, it's just nowhere, you know, in, in my understanding of the Bible, if you read it in context, you know. Mm. And, um, yeah, I got in a lot of trouble for that. And 
Chris, your brother-in-law, and your mm. sister Chrissy were huge support to me. And Chris, your brother-in-law, I was put on a trial. Do you remember? I that? remember I was like, there. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. seven hundred people came to listen to me. Like, <laughs> Justify yourself. Why I wouldn't be chucked out yeah. of of the evangelical churches, and I suppose Oasis with me. And um, yeah, your Chris was yeah so kind to me, and that, and then they organised this worldwide symposium. Do you remember that? And wrote books about it and all this kind of thing. I thought, well, I, all I was little old me writing a book about what I thought, but but the 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 hatred that mm. some people had for me, and then yeah, that was followed up about ten years after that when I wrote about. Um, our celebration of yeah. LGBT people, not yeah. just our acceptance. And that, like... Exploded. Oh, yeah, it? I mean, I, re I realised in the end you can say what you like about God, they just get a bit angry. But, but talk about gay people. That's like, whoa. Uh, yeah, and and in fact I was thrown out of loads of things, as you know, and... and um, banned from going to conferences and people withdrew funding from Oasis, lots mm. of it. And mm. uh, people people who I thought were my friends have still never spoken to me again so how... since then. And so that burnt inside me. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. Um, and, and in truth, every day, I think it's every day, I get, Something. you know, on social media, people telling me all sorts of terrible things about me. And... I learned then if you hang on to the anger, hmm. it kills you. I felt that it, there was an injustice. The things that I was saying were my opinion. You know, even if you don't think I'm being honest to the Bible, which I thought I was being, hmm. you know, can't we live in a society where someone can say something like this inside a church without being chucked out of it? And I also knew that some of the people who were who really angry with me were gay. Which that, is interesting. Yeah. Well, but uh, yeah, but in in the closet, <laughs> yeah. deeply inside yeah. it, uh, and I knew that. But they attacked me publicly. Yeah. So to let go of all of that, so but it was how, a good. It was a good. So how? Do, I mean, I I can think of like the process, uh, and you know, things always happen, don't they, in life? You there is always moments where you get angry with people, or you you know you feel like ah so annoying or why did they do that but when you felt because you know it was it was really tough Steve mm. that, that, and like you say it happens every day as well how do you allow it to not stick to, to you how do you allow unforgiveness mm. how do you make sure unforgiveness doesn't take root for me I slowly learn that the only person as I think you've already mm. said this was having a destructive effect on when I allowed it to was myself. You know, there's a, a fantastic um, Mennonite saying and it says As, um, anger and unforgiveness is an acid that destroys its container. Yeah. It eats away at mm. you. It comes to possess you and... That's a terrible thing. Years and years ago, it was years ago, I was asked to make a television series, present it, um, this for, for ITV Anglia Television, mm. which long since ceased to exist, I think. Was that it like was, a night on a yeah, horse? Yeah, yeah, and it was based yeah. in Norwich. Yeah. And uh, 
So anyway, I made this series for them about the seven deadly sins. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I, I made this program about unforgiveness. Yeah. And I went to visit a couple who were in the press a lot at the time. Okay. What had happened to them, tragically, is that their son had been killed by a dumper lorry, you know, with yeah. big wheelbase, et cetera, et cetera. And he'd been run over on his bike Ugh. and squashed by it. And the guy that killed their son, the driver, didn't have a valid license oh my word. and didn't have any insurance mm. and had already been done for dangerous mm. driving. And the whole thing went to court. But the parents, the parents who I visited, decided to take things into their own hands. And so one day while the court case was going on, the father turned up outside uh, the courtroom with a shotgun and he shot the guy who killed their son. And then he was put on trial for attempted murder. The the man didn't die. Mm. And um, in his trial, and he said this to me because I asked him, was it attempted murder? And he said, absolutely, it was attempted murder. It's my only regret. I didn't murder him. And then he said, he was just too fat. (laughs) He said, he was saved by being fat. He said, but I meant to murder him. In the end, he didn't serve a sentence because of the pain of his situation. Mm. But when I went to see him and his wife, which was some years later, I went to their, their home mm. and it was like a mausoleum to their son. Oh, wow. Not just the bedroom hadn't been touched, mm. but the whole house. The whole house was dark. It was a mausoleum and they sat there and they'd been physically diminished by this, not, mm. not just anything else. And they couldn't leave that moment behind. Mm. They couldn't leave that moment behind. And other crises, terrible things that happened, you know, parents who'd forgiven the killers of their children or you know, their child was blown up by a mm. bomb. And, and we talked about those stories, but they couldn't get to that place. Mm. They kept hanging on. And I remember asking the mum, I said, so were you pleased when your husband went out and shot him? And she said, no, not pleased for two reasons. One, he didn't kill him. But secondly, even if he had done, I wanted to pull the trigger, not him. I felt robbed. And what I saw in them, I spent a lot of time with them and kept in contact with them for a little while as I was able to. They had been destroyed, Mm. not so much by the death of their son, though I can't imagine that agony. Just awful, just awful. But they'd been destroyed by not being able to let go. And then I met neighbours of theirs, people who loved them, but all of, everyone I spoke to and the producer, the television crew that I was with, everyone said they are the, they are the recipients of this terrible cancer that's eating them alive. Mm. You've got to let go. So I suppose I... So I suppose for me, I 
I've never forgotten that. And I've mm. applied that situation to my own circumstances. And then I know people who have forgiven extraordinary things yeah. and moved on. Um, yeah. Let go. That's yeah. what you've got to do. For me, I often... Because I was walking to a train station with actually with one of the Oasis principals quite recently. And um, she asked me, you know, because, you know, they think that I seem to float above, <laughs> like, nothing, I never have grudges. And I, and I was like, no, 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 I do. But I've, one of the things that I've come to understand is how energy consuming mm. unforgiveness is mm. and how it takes all your zeal and your focus and your joy it's a, it's a it's a robber mm. and it it stops you enjoying the things you're doing it stops you enjoying life it stops you entering into new possibilities and new relationships mm. and new mm. and so if you know i always try and catch myself if if i notice that i feel like a sense of resentment growing up or something, which is a very internal feeling, I think. Mm. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Because mm. that becomes, it, as soon as that happens, it's like, right, that's going to take my energy. Mm. That's going to, so as well as letting go, it's also acknowledging when that's going to happen, like feeling that start yes. to happen. So that thing of self-awareness, mm. I think is really important in this. Because I'm sure that lots of people have no idea because they aren't, you know, they don't know that unforgiveness has taken mm. root. Mm. But their behaviours mm. tell mm. us outside of mm. them that actually there's something there that's, mm. there's a sadness, there's a there's something that's like, um, I, I, you know, uh, the tree the, the the science of looking at tree rings which is called dendrochronology see Ooh, i know big words too you do i, I mean what's, you what's know the lots word? of it dendrochronology ah. yeah so you you know you know when you can't you can tell can't even say it. You, can, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can tell the age of a tree yeah by, by the rings but it's really when you when you slice a tree you you know as is your want um you sometimes Bandle. see <laughs> you sometimes see that there's uh, like a there's a mark in a certain year mm. something's happened and what's interesting is the tree never dispels that incident it it grows mm. with it but it what it does is it manages to to grow around it yes. and to and to I manage it and to make it like you I, st it's still strong yeah and i think i can i can so for example go back to that story about my dad i cannot deny that there was this incident that was one of pain and sadness and anger and all the rest of it that is part of my story but my choice is do i allow mm. that thing to be a toxicity mm. in going forward mm. and i you know i think choosing like you say to let go and it is is part so, of that not letting yeah. it be toxic but you, you feel the mark is left and yeah. you can learn from that, can't yeah. you? And you grow through it if you handle yeah. it well. Do you know somebody nicked my bike um, a few months ago? And, uh, yeah, I know you And they cut, yeah, I mean, it's a terrible thing. But then you, you think, I can learn from that by a bigger lock. <laughs> <laughs> 
but but I was getting really mad about it. Yeah. You got to let it go. You got to m- move on. And I do think some of that is about having a big enough vision of life. Yeah. So you can leave. You can actually leave behind yeah. things rather than just say you've left them behind. Yeah. I think I think that's important. But you know, to to, to you know, I tweet. Well, actually, it's not called Twitter anymore. It's called is it? you Xing. Yeah, I Xing. That's a strange what term, is isn't it? No, no, yeah. no. Anyway, do you know why I tweet? I mean, X. <laughs> <laughs> it's because years ago, somebody in Oasis um, said to me, "Steve, it's really important that you send a tweet every day because it's really important." I, I, oh, it's Gareth. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I said, "Well, I don't know how to do that." He said, "I'll do it for you." And he started doing it. And then lots of people started complaining to me because he they said, you don't even send your own tweets. You know, you should send them yourself. Well, I didn't even know where to find the tweets that I hadn't <laughs> sent, you know. So that's it. So I said to Gareth in the end, uh, Gareth used to work for Oasis, I said, look, I'll do it. And so now so I... every day. Yeah, I think I should do it. And if people still say to me, you should send tweets, Steve, you should send tweets yeah. because then it's a way of talking. Yeah. So I do that. And um, and Cornelia, my wife, she, she says, she says, there you are looking at those tweets again because I send a tweet and then I shouldn't say that she says it like that, but she gets... She's quite well, aggressive. She gets... No, yeah, she's not aggressive. <laughs> she really no. isn't. No, no, she's not aggressive at all. She, she, she says, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Not send the tweet. Um, she, you know, look at the responses. Yeah. So there are certain themes. Whenever I read anything about inclusion or therapeutic care or justice for young people about inclusion, about the care of the planet, etc. And whenever you do those things, you get this tirade mm. of people who, you know, you're a Marxist, you know, you're, yeah, because I'm a Christian, you're the Antichrist, you're this kind of like... And every now and then, you know, I get caught up looking at all these things and that's what Cornelia says to me. She says, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do that. And, of course, I do get caught up in it and you can get dragged down mm. into it. And sometimes when I'm a bit quiet, you know, I sit there quietly, she said, you've been looking at that yeah. Twitter again, <laughs> you know, because it, it pulls yeah. you in. Yeah. And you think, here is this person with two followers, you know, and they said that, uh, you know, something terrible about me. Yeah. And, and I'm taking that seriously and giving my time and attention to it. So I'm not in any way saying I'm I'm beyond all those things. I just know that it diverts your attention, it diverts your energy, as you've said, it pulls you down. It's about looking beyond that. And th- But at the same time, always asking, so what can I learn? How can yeah. I be a better person? Is there something that I've done? Because, you know, one of those things... I've, uh, I think I mentioned it in, in in the book I've just written, uh, a manifesto for hope. But uh, there's this thing which is uh, which is known as moral misattribution theory, psychological theory, mm. which sounds very well, ooh, what on earth is that about? But it's very plain when it comes down to it. See, when I am rude or unkind, uh, when I am short with somebody, when I'm dismissive of somebody, and it's brought to my attention. I, you know, I say, well, you know, I was tired. 
Yeah, and I had a tough yeah. day. It was the end of the week, you know. If only you knew what I've had to up. get through yeah. today and that rotten yeah. phone call I had, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I've been ill and I've got a headache. I didn't have breakfast. I'm hungry yeah. you know, and all that kind of stuff. So we always um, apply that to ourselves. Yeah. But if someone else behaves in that way, they're a bit short or they send us a, 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 a slightly dismissive email yeah. or whatever, God. Blimey, that kind of person, you know, yeah. they're just a wrong un, you know, yeah. they're a bad person. And so we understand the things that sometimes make us behave mm. in a less than optimal way. But when other people do that to us, we jump to conclusions. Yeah. And at the heart of all these things is often a kind of misunderstanding. In fact, sometimes what happens to me must happen to you, you know, somebody will complain to me about somebody else in a conversation and I was there and I think oh I don't think they meant that but they and then I talked to the other person yeah. and they complain about it. and it's all misunderstanding because we begin from a very us point of view yeah. we are the center of our universes aren't we yeah. and it's yeah. about getting beyond us yeah and I when I find myself in those conversations with people I I um what I do is say oh I I wonder if what if you imagined that actually they were saying it, imagine they were saying it this way and just dialing down the mm. anger, just dialing, you know, to, taking the sting out of all of it so that you can actually breathe and consider that, you know, you can look at things in different ways and maybe they didn't mm. mean it and in the way that you've, mm. ex you've received it. And, and yeah. And our society tragically as we all know is becoming so polarized absolutely yeah you know so uh, it's not just as you look across to america that these culture wars are going on but, you, but the difference between the left and the right in yeah. our country and uh, you know it's um, i understand that society is made up of people with different views and different mm. opinions and not to attack people that's what actually going back to twitter for a moment x mm. i find that you know, to set out an opinion is one thing. To attack someone is a bizarre thing to do, mm. in, in my view. Did I help? Did yeah. I bring truth? Did I bring light yeah. to the situation? Yeah. And if I didn't bring help, then why did I do why it? Why did you join in? Yeah, yeah. So, so unforgiveness is like a weapon, isn't yes. it? And anger is like a weapon. Grudges are like a weapon. If we don't put the weapon down, what we're really doing is using the weapon on ourselves. Ultimately, that's what we're, we're saying. Yeah, yeah. It? It's us. That's... Yeah, and a very literal way in which that works out is in, you know, I'm just thinking of gang life in, yeah. in London. Yeah. Do you know, I was, I was talking to a young 18-year-old that sat down and had a long conversation with him, someone I know, just quite recently, and um, he had seen his brother, younger, terrorised by someone with a weapon. And so he decided to get a weapon mm. so that he could defend his yeah. brother. And he was saying to me, he said, round here, you have to have a weapon. You have to be in the gang. You have to have a weapon. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't you know, he's a very sensible mm. lad, but he said, if you're not weaponized, if you're not tooled up, you are very vulnerable. And the tragedy is 
that there's a lot about that. He was being honest. He wasn't kind of m making this stuff up. But I was saying to him, but if you get dragged into that, then in actual fact, it's very likely to end, if not in your death, with you in prison, but you will not fulfil your dreams for yeah, your life. Yeah. You, and and actually in his case, uh, you know, we, we spent some hours together and it's somebody who uh, he knows I've invested in him mm. over the years mm. and I know that he chose a different path in that way. But you could see him be being eaten like by the unforgiveness of the attack on his brother. Yeah. Yeah. Like you say, it's it's so evident in society, isn't it? And there's this, you know, the story of Jesus that Jesus told about the prodigal son and Mm. which is often presented as this story of forgiveness, isn't it? But there's a bit of a twist in that story, isn't well, there? Because yeah, yeah, where it a, comes from. Really. Yeah, there's a lot of twists in the story. The story of the prodigal son is a very famous one, isn't it, about this son who gets his share of the money from his dad, goes away, squanders it all on wild living, prostitutes, yeah. you know, all the rest of it, then runs out, ends up working in a pigsty and thinks, I'm going to go home and... And, uh, you know, beg to my dad for yeah. forgiveness and all the rest of it. And his father accepts him. Well, the funny thing about that story is is um, Jesus nicked it. You know, <gasps> it <laughs> stole. Well, <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> he did. We know he did. Yeah. I mean, he didn't nick it. It was a well-known story. Yeah. It was a well-known story. And it comes from India. It comes from North India. And we know it comes from India because it's recorded and written down way before Jesus' life. We have earlier mm. copies of it, do you see? Mm. But the interesting thing in a lot of these uh, s stories, and s the story was what the crowd knew. Yeah. But what Jesus did was twisted the end in two ways. So in the story, uh, the original story, what happens is this lad goes off and wastes all the, the, his father's wealth and, da -da 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 -da, and his, lives a selfish lifestyle and then comes home. And what the father does is say, well, you can't live in my house, but you can live down the street, <laughs> you know, and you must earn forgiveness. Yeah. And slowly the son earns forgiveness stage by stage. In, and, and then the father gives him all his inheritance and wealth. And it's a story about restoration and earning restoration. But when Jesus tells a story, there's two completely different things. He tells the story everyone knows, and they're going, oh, yeah, we know this story, we know this story. And then Jesus says, and the guy comes home, and and they go, yeah, we know what's going to happen. He slowly in, mm. you know, earns forgiveness and inherits all the wealth. But, but Jesus says, but the father saw him coming and ran to him and said, to the older brother, there was never an older brother yeah. in the original story, let's throw a party and let's put the ring on his finger and let's kill the fatted cow now and do, do all of this kind of stuff because this son of mine's come home, let rejoice, put these robes on him and all the rest of it. And that's the thing. It's not a slowly earned forgiveness. Yeah. It's not like you've really upset me, but I'm going to make it bad for you, but slowly things will get better. And if you, and the moral of the first story is if you work at it, eventually you can find forgiveness. What Jesus' story is about is unconditional Absolutely. forgiveness now. And then he's introduced this second son, who's not in the original Indian right. story either. And he says, 
And this second lad gets really cross and goes to the father and says, God, that's not fair. I've been here all my life serving you and he comes home and you make him a son just outright. It shouldn't be like that. And the father says, I've always given you everything. You're my son. Why shouldn't I give it to him as well? And so the story isn't just about unconditional forgiveness. It's about the grudges that those who think they're righteous yeah. harbour against others who yeah. they think are lesser than them, which brings us all back to you know, the moral um, misattribution yeah. theory, doesn't it? The second son thinks, I'm, I'm deserving. Yeah. But he's, he doesn't deserve Yeah, it. not knowing his story, and yet the father, overwhelmed with love, sees it yeah. all and offers grace to everyone. Yeah. Which is what Jesus meant, by the way, you know, when he said, forgive your enemies. Yeah. He didn't mean because it really upsets them. He meant because actually in forgiving your enemy, you have to explore the little dark yeah. parts of your soul that you try to keep hidden. You've got to explore all your prejudices, all your hang-ups. You've got to delve deep into you. So in forgiving others, you grow you become a better mm. person. Mm. You become a deeper, richer person, yeah. like the illustration of the mark on the tree. Yeah, there's this, there's this little thing I do. And it's a question I ask people or a, or a statement, I guess, that I offer uh, people when they, they come to me. And say in my, in my work, Steve, as you know, you know, I end up in lots of conversations with people and things about how they're, they're doing with one another and all the rest of it. And... Um, People will will say, like like you've just said, it's not fair. You know, I'm so angry with them. It's it's not fair. And I I just say to them, it's really it's really interesting, isn't it? Mm. And just in that, there's yeah. like this, and it's a bit like what my chaplain said to me. Mm. He said, life shit sometimes, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. But be curious yeah. because everything's ahead. Yeah. Two things to say, one thing to say to finish with. But first of all, I realised I just told told that story. Me, I would say, how come the story came from India and Jesus lived in Israel? It's because of Alexander the Great, just as a factual bit. Yeah. Because Alexander the Great conquered great empires and conquered North India and set up world. trade routes, yeah. and then these stories and culture flooded back. That's a <clears> tiny thing. But that forgiveness thing, I remember reading. Um, one of C.S. Lewis's books years and years ago, so I can't tell you which one it is. And But he says this. He says, we say, I'll forgive you because I know it wasn't your fault. Mm. I'll forgive you because I know you were tired. I'll forgive you because I know you didn't have all the facts. And C.S. Lewis makes the point, if it wasn't your fault or you didn't know all the facts, you don't need to forgive there's anyone. to forgive. Yeah, there's nothing to forgive. That, that you know they just didn't know they did it wasn't their fault so don't forgive them because it wasn't their fault he said the only time forgiveness means anything is when it was their fault when there isn't an excuse when there wasn't a reason that is when you know that you're learning the freeing art of forgiveness thank you steve